Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. And the word of the Lord reads like this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. The King James says we know that we have the petition that we've asked of him. I like verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask for. With the chaos in Washington, I've been doing a series called Capital City Chaos. Let me say it again. With the chaos in Washington, D.C., I've been doing a series. I preached a message called Leading Through Crisis. That's to all leaders. If you have a business or whatever, you're part of a family, you need to lead no matter if the chips are down. Now we can really tell what kind of leader you are. Because true leaders lead when the chips are down. And then I started a, a school of prayer. I believe the Lord said we need to pray for the next seven days. So last week we started praying. And this is the climax of that school. Praying for protection was the message at eight. And then we prayed protection against terrorists. We taught on that. And then Wednesday night we taught Pray for the U.S. government. We explained it. I've gotten a lot of response from that, especially people who are going to college right now. Today's message is entitled Salvation. We're praying for salvation for the lost. And also, we are working with City Fest today, as you can see. A short clip about um, pastors coming together about City Fest that will take place in the month of March concerning this countywide outreach to get people saved. And I need many of you to get this in your soul. A lot of people are marching on Washington, factions are breaking off. Well, what the church should be doing is getting ready for the harvest. And that is, there are people who were clubbing last night and they need you in the house of God today to get what you need so you can reach them. There are people who are groping in the darkness and they need insight. They need you to light the candle. Instead of cursing the darkness in our country, how many of you have the amber light burning? And if you don't, you need to flick it and get that light burning. Today's message, salvation for the lost. <clears throat> salvation for the lost. Father, I thank you for your word. Use me for your glory. Expand our thinking. Activate our participation. You receive the glory, we get the growth. Go before the word and prepare us for it. We will give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, say amen. How do I pray for unbelievers? That's a good question. You have anybody in your family that is an unbeliever? They just don't like church. They have no desire to do what God has called them to do. How do you pray for that kind of person? Is it Mr. Willie? Aunt Gussie? Where's Aunt Gussie? What's your husband's name? Charles. Mr. Charles. 
How you doing, Mr. Charles? God bless you. How do you pray for the unbeliever? How do I pray effectively? Good question for us, Mr. Charles. How can you develop your prayer life to where you're effective when you pray? Aunt Gussie, you have things you want God to do. How do you get that kind of prayer life going? Well, I trust that every Christian regularly prays for their own family or friends or your colleagues at work your neighborhood and your neighbors in particular. Those who do not know who Jesus is, who Christ is. They don't know him as Lord. And while we can and must pray for matters related to their lives and circumstances, the emphasis on prayer, on prayers for their salvation is the intent of this message. People like for you to pray about what they're missing. Pray for me, I need a little bit more money. Pray for me, my house payment is behind. Pray for me. You know, something is going on with my family, with my children. Pray for me, my mother has COVID-19. But how many of us take a moment to pray that God will save them from their sins? How many of us take a step back even if you got healed all from all of the stuff that you go through and die without Christ, what are we taking, what are we leading them to? What happens to them after they close their eyes? Okay, well, you prayed they didn't get healed, but what happens when the eyes close like that and the body leaves, the spirit leaves the body? What do they see? What kind of encounter did they have for the rest of their lives? I can't tell you how many people call me and say, please pray for my auntie or my sister or my uncle or my dad. They're at the brink of death. I just can't handle them dying. Okay. Do you know if they receive Jesus? I don't know. I just can't handle it if they die. What do you think happens to them if they die without Christ? Do you ever wonder about that? The horror that a person could experience after closing their eyes to this world and opening it up, whoa, to the, to the next dimension without blood smearing them. Without Jesus saying, this one is mine. What I would like to awaken now is the importance with so much death in America. We need to start praying that God saves souls. We're sharing battles. Is your last name Battles? What's it now? What is it now? Sanders? What did I tell you years ago about you being an evangelist and reaching people? You have that ability. There's hundreds of people. If you started ministering to them and doing what I'm asking you to do, hundreds of them will follow you into the kingdom of God. You have that ability. You're like a mother of the street. If you have, if you do what I'm asking, if you take this up, you're going to see people follow you. The Lord told me that years ago about you. I want you to work with Bishop. And for some of you that are on the skirts of the church, you need to come in and learn how to pray and work with me to get these people saved. What's your name, sir, with the mask? Jimmy? God has gifted you tremendously. You're here at the right time. If you work with me, you'll see people flow with you, man. There are people who are in a burning house, Jimmy. 
they don't know how to get out of it. It should be apparent to them. It's burning. But they don't even know how to turn around. The heat is on. But God is going to give you the ability to pull them out. Thank you, Lord. Everybody want to be a prophet and prop apostles. That's what's happening right now. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. Okay. Ain't nobody getting saved, though. We need evangelists. You don't even have to carry the title. Just activate the work. This year, you should claim at least 12 people to get saved that weren't saved last year. Not church transfers only, but I'm talking about saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Sharon Sanders, I know you get embarrassed when I call your name, but I'm going to call your name all year long. All year. She get real shame. Elaine, how many years have you been with this church? To Milwaukee, right? It was on Milwaukee Avenue. That's 1997, maybe, 96, 97. Been with me over 23 years. Elaine Hinckley, wave your hands in the air like you just don't care. <laughs> and the rest of you all say, oh, yeah. Yeah, and you don't stop. Elaine helped me with my first library. She helped to organize it. It's still intact. I appreciate you. There are people who need to come to know who Jesus is. I'm going to activate you all. Sally, how long have you been here? Fourteen years. How old was your son? Two? J.R.? Stand up, son. Look how tall. That's Jack in the beanstalk. Look how tall he is now. Out of the continent of Africa, what's, what country in Africa? What? Ghana? Mama's an engineer working hard, transforming, performing her son. Thank you, son, for sticking close to your mama. There are people, young people, that are going to get saved this year through you. You may be seated. God never designed a church for the pastor to do it all by himself. He designed a church for us to work together. Work with me. Come suffer with us. Don't be a consumer this year. Participate. Engage. Activate your anointing to evangelize. You don't have to grab a mic and squall like some of these preachers, these no productive preachers, uh, preaching hard and sweating, sweating and sweating and slinging handkerchiefs and sweating and prophesying to people that's in the church and nothing changes the next year. What people do is become hungry for that kind of ministry. When the prophet, the prophet of one hour telling you what your house number is and and, and you, you still act like, man, then nobody knew. You're on Facebook. <laughs> I do believe in the authentic move of the spirit. But, but we, we've been here too long for people to minister to folk who already say. The harvest is plenteous. But the laborers are very few. Sharon Sanders. I'm going to call your name all year long. Walk with your bishop. 
When this COVID lifts, I want you to take me to places. Let me pray in the neighborhood. I've been praying at homes in the neighborhood. Aunt Gussie allowed me to pray in her house. Holy Ghost fell up in there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost fell. Brenda, what's your husband's name? Emmett. God bless you, Emmett. Not only does God want you to prosper, he wants your business to prosper. He wants your influence to prosper. And he wants you to become evangelistic now. Get him saved. Brenda and Emmett. I felt something at Gus's house. The Lord opened me up to let me know that he wants to transform our community. It usually starts with a person. God takes a man, gives a man a message. That message is for the masses. When the masses get it, it picks up momentum. When the momentum picks up, it becomes a movement. You don't have to start with a good big crowd. It starts with one. You may be the one to create revival in our community. I just know that God wants to save the lost. And for those of you that are watching, don't turn that dial. Stop surfing on me. You want to hear what this preacher is saying, what that preacher is saying. Listen to the voice that you're assigned to. There's a vibration here that you need to listen to and connect with. That's why you can't get anything done because you're always surfing. You got to learn how to put some roots down. Nobody grows from surfing. You can glide, but you don't grow. You grow when you get planted. Oh, I learned this and I learned that. That's why there's no anointing. Because it's not you. It's them. You're just copying people. You don't grow until you get planted. Settle yourself down. And he shall be like a tree. Not as a skateboard. Not at a surfing board. And he shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water. Stability. His roots grow deep. Tap root, tapping into the soil, next to the river, the fresh flow of the Holy Spirit, which brings forth fruit in its season, which means it has to stay planted for at least a year before you see the fruit. Its leaves will not wither, and whatever he does, it will prosper. Learn how to stay planted. Again, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything, the confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask according or anything according to his will, he hears us. You got to know that when you pray about salvation, that God hears your prayers. You start praying that God save your children, that God save your marriage, that God save the laws, the people outside of your home. You need to know he's listening to that because that's what he wants to do. But he wants you to be an active participant, active participant in the process, a co-laborer, as it were, with God. Scripture says he hears you. Well, I don't know if God hears me. You ask him about salvation, he's listening clearly. And when Job prayed for salvation for his friends, God took care of his money. Don't ask God for money. Ask him to save souls. He'll take care of your money. The, the, the coin is in the fish's mouth. <laughs> the fish represent the laws. If you start taking care of the laws, you'll see wealth coming to you. I need more money. You're getting promotions. There's money coming from everywhere. How do you maintain a church during a pandemic like this? And you're not pushing money. You don't have survival revivals, $100 lines, squalling and going on, $500. How do you do that and things still work like this? When people are not coming in the building. Well, somebody's doing something, right? Because Holy Ghost is sending it. 
And if you sent some more money, we'll have a whole lot. All you got to do is write a check, $1,000 check, $5,000. You got it. Glory to God. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us settle down. He does hear me. He does hear me. He's listening attentive to me, attentively to me. And if we know that he hears us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked for him or from him. Here's another passage for you. Write it down. First Peter 1 and 3. The Bible says there will come a time where people would want to hear sound doctrine. They want to have pe preachers preaching to their personal issues. I'm giving you the solutions to your issues. When Job prayed for his friends, the salvation of his friends, God gave him double for his trouble. If you want double, if you want to regain, if you want to recover everything that you've lost, take your emphasis off of you and start talking to God about your friends. Your business will grow. He'll start working on your relationships. Your relationship with your children will start smooth. He will refine it. He'll take the coal of your life and make it a diamond. He'll take the coal and turn it into a diamond, polish you up. He has a way of doing that, refining you. He'll take your gifts and make sure those gifts are smooth and polished out where you become more effective. The older I get, the more effective I am. I can't do half of what I used to do when I was 22 years old. I used to work all night and preach all day, still take care of stuff. For several years straight, maybe two and three hours of sleep right now. That's not me right now, but I'm still more potent. You get a sip of me, you'll stagger. <laughs> I'm vicariously intoxicated. You take a sip of me, you're going to stagger. <sighs> Man, he's been on the shelf a while. That's what you want. You don't need to... Uh, it's quality, not quantity. It's quality, not quantity. A little counsel from someone that's got quality, man, takes them a long way. That's what you want in your life. I ask God for that. Make me potent. And he'll make you potent. He'll do it. People don't have to bite a lot. They just get a little sip. Amen. More of Jesus. More of Jesus, more of potency. More potency, more Jesus. Get more Jesus in you, you become more potent. It doesn't mean Clark is, is perfect. You could already tell by what I just said. Most preachers would never say to get a sip of me. I'm straight up alpha, though. That's why I move the way I move. That's not always good. But at the same time, God knows hearts. I can confess my wrong, can you? Or do you always hide it? I'm good all the time. No, you're not. There's a few people I'm taking to glory with me this year. And I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about evangelism. Sharon Sanders. I'm calling your name. Oh, yeah. I'm going to call it so much you're not going to get embarrassed. She's going to be like, that's my bishop. That's what I want. Amen. Sometimes people will get with evangelism if they didn't feel intimidated or shame or shy. When God calls your name, that means he's want, he wants you on the team. Amen. Now, if I said, wow, I had the power, I said, when I call your name, you're going to get 1.5 billion. Somebody in Detroit won one billion, five million dollars. One person. Now, if I called your name and said, you, you who called my name, right? <laughs> you got the winning ticket. Woo! Well, guess what? There's a greater treasure than the one billion. 
That is to keep people from a dying hell. The rewards that we're going to receive with Christ are greater than all of the money that you have here in America or around the world. To see young people, to see infants saved. For God to show you your inheritance. The things that you're going to walk into in the after. It's amazing. And the horror that you save people from by getting them saved today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope. That's evangelism. He's given us new birth. You must be born again. You must start over again. Everybody must be born again. The Bible says he's given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at verse 4. And into an inheritance that can never perish. It can never spoil. And it can never fade. Kept in heaven for you. So the inheritance that people receive through Christ Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The inheritance can never perish. It can never spoil, and it can never fade. You're giving people something that's concrete, that's eternal, that can never, ever, ever lose value. The scripture says it's kept in heaven for you. And so the scripture is clear. The Greek for confidence the Greek here, you can have confidence of, the Greek for confidence means freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. Now, in America, we love this particular amendment. We love this right in America that we have the freedom of speech. Some of our artists have taken this freedom of speech and called women the B names, and, and we love it now. It's become a part of our culture. Even girls call each other that when they're texting each other. Very demeaning. We got a whole culture of people that have no chivalry, no decency. Even young girls are doing it. Even the rap girls, they're talking about sexual acts, what they can do better than the next one. You don't know now. You don't know now. Trick Daddy. What's that girl with him that's on that uh, album? Uh, Trina, yeah. You don't know now. Look, look, look how far we moved from from what's decent, and we love it the way she said. She's giving your kids sex education. It's right there on the album. We do it all under the guise of freedom of speech. But the scripture talks about freedom of speech in this context, not about how you could talk about your sexual acts or how powerful you are in a room. What, what we need to talk about is having confidence in the finished work of Jesus and to freely speak that. To speak it with boldness. To speak it with confidence. To speak it and have an anointing on it. To reveal to the world the unveiling, as Pastor Dave, as PD talked about. The unveiling will unveil truth to the nations. Unveil the purity of the gospel. Unveil how God turned your life around. How many of you know he does do that, right? We can look over our lives. And you're not supposed to be where you are. You're not supposed to be doing what you do. You're not supposed to be driving what you drive. You're not supposed to be living where you live. God turned some things around for you. God saw mistakes and he put grace on it. God produced some love for you. God released, hallelujah, mercy in your life. And it has caused you to rise up and to do everything that you're doing today. Some of us are supposed to be in jail, but we never got called. We call it the privilege of what? Privacy. Thank you, Bishop Vaughn McLaughlin. The privilege of uh, privacy. You did it, but God allowed it to remain private. It never became public. That's why nobody should lift up their ecclesiastical nose at anybody. Look at them. 
when you know you have the privilege of privacy. Confidence in the Greek can also be translated boldness. You see it in Acts chapter 44 and verse 31, and openness, openness, confidence, boldness, and openness in Acts 28 and 31. So freedom of speech, confidence, boldness, and openness. Freedom of speech, that's confidence, boldness, openness, and oneness. You mean to tell me in Christ I can have confidence, freedom of speech. It also is translated boldness. And I can have openness. I can say things without being ashamed. Paul said it like this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why are you ashamed of the gospel? Because a few people call you a holy roller. I ain't in all that religious stuff. Yes, you are. Religion is doing the same thing over and over and over again. You can be religious by going to the club. Over and over. Every Friday night I'm going to. That's religious. Whatever you do, open. If you smoke a stogie, if you, if you like the, what's the scientific word for marijuana? What is it called? Cannabis, yeah. If you do it, you do it over and over again, that's what we call religious. You're paying your tithe to the dealer. Same principles. You got to transfer that stuff over to the Lord. If you're a cognac girl, if you, if you are a Patron man, if, if you are Grey Goose girl, and you do it religiously, over and over again, you're religious in doing it. I don't believe in all that religion. You, you are so religious, it's crazy. I can dictate what you're going to do on Friday. What you want to do is make sure you're directing that routine to God. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed. People are more religious. And when the football come on, it could be 30 degrees outside. They're going to put on their jersey, paint their face, and be in the stands. You just dress up and come to church. Don't let nobody make you ashamed of what you do for Jesus. And being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work is faithful to complete the work in you. Be confident, boldness. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them which believe, for every, every person. Through Jesus Christ, believers have boldness. Boldness. Boldness and confidence. Not only confidence, write it down, they have confident access. Confident access. Now, over the years, I've been a collector, not like a guru, but I've been a collector of Errol Jordan, Air Jordan, uh, some of his clothing. And I noticed uh, some of my stuff has been missing. I went in my daughter's closet, guess what? She don't work, she don't like steal it. She just bold, you know. Just go in my closet and get my stuff and wear it. You walk around, I said, what are you doing with my stuff? Oh, I just, you know, I thought this was nice, daddy. You, 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 you got me twisted. You can take the Nike, you can take the Under Armour, and you can take the Adidas, but leave Jordan Alone. When Jordan first came out, I put on a white, I bought a nice white Jordan. I bought it with matching shoes. And I had to fly uh, out of O, Orlando I-A. Orlando International Airport, right? O-I-A. And uh, when I got there, the lady looked at me and she said, do you want to upgrade to uh, first class? I said, sure. What is the cost? She said, no cost. We have an empty seat. You can upgrade. Just by wearing the, just by wearing the Jordan. Now, this is, you may not believe it, but it's amazing. 
I was like, she may think I'm Jordan. You know what I mean? I had a bald head. I was just too short. Because I stepped up there like the big rollers. She upgraded me. You can't tell me image don't mean anything. You just can't tell me that, right? My daughter have no clue. She just look at the emblem. I like that. But she's bold with it. That's what I'm going to make. Bold. You know what she say? Whatever is my daddy's, kind of is mine too. Do you feel that way about your God? That whatever he has, you have access to? If you don't today, I believe this message is for you. That when he saved you, he says you're part of my family. And you should have bold or confident access into some realms, into some closets, into some hidden things that he has for himself. Watch this. And for you. He wants you to be whole. He wants your mind to be well. He wants you to have health and wellness of mind. The God that enables you. He also wants you to draw near with confidence. The Bible says draw near to the throne of grace. So that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4 and 16. For the word is quick and powerful and sharper. Than any double-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And is a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. That word has been given to you. Write it down. Why do we need to pray for the lost? Well, the lost is lost. They are not found. They're lost. What do you mean by that? They are wondering, speculating. They don't know the truth. They're wondering and speculating. They're pondering things without direction. And they are questioning everything. And if you stay within that climate of wondering, speculating, pondering, and questioning things, you never get a direction. That means you're going around. And if you're going round and round in circles, you're not holding anything concrete. How do you run a family that way? How do you maintain a job that way? How do you do those things that way? If you're going around in circles. The lost are lost. They are not found. Now, if you misplace your keys, that doesn't mean the keys are lost. It just means they may be misplaced. There's a difference from losing something. I was on a cruise ship and I took an apple standing out on the balcony. A wind gust came. It's like, whoa, is this how people get pulled off of? Ships in the middle of an ocean and no one finds them. Thank God I was holding, oh, I mean a strong wind gust came. Woof. I was like, whoa, look at this. This is how people get lost, going out on the balcony, drunk. Accidentally fall over and no one even knows that they're overboard. And I got this thought, I mean, we're out there, I mean, maybe 16,000 feet of water. That's pretty deep. So I took my apple and I threw it out there. Blue. How many of you know that apple was lost at sea? It will be hard to turn that ship around and to go down there and find that apple in such dark circumstances. It's almost impossible. That's how people are that don't know Jesus. They're lost. They need to be found. And the only device that can locate them is Jesus, his blood, his death, burial, and resurrection. You must give them the answer. He can locate them. He can save them. He can bring them up to the top. 
give them a new inheritance. Many of us don't look at what's lost. Like they're lost. They're out there. There ain't no boat coming. The Apostle Paul said, I was lost at sea for a day and a night, hovering on a board, didn't know if I would be rescued. This is the apostle of Jesus. Why did God allow him to be overboard like that, resting on the way, sharks uh, swimming all around, but he was untouched? And he had to really reconcile, maybe this is it for me. He wonders, how am I doing? Nobody's reaching out to me. I don't feel loved. Lost. And these people need somebody to pray for them. Some people are lost and they're anxious, even terrified and afraid. Lost. That's what comes with being lost. Anxious. Anxious. Terrified and afraid. Well, Bishop, I'm never afraid. The devil is a lie. Every man gets afraid. Every woman gets afraid. So you better believe children become afraid. Every president gets afraid. Every pastor goes through it. There are times when things shake so much. I say, God, what is this? Moses. Had, Moses had God to encounter him as a burning bush. But when he brought the children of Israel to Sinai, the scripture says God descended on, this, on the mountain in such a might. It wasn't a burning bush this time. It was the mountain began to quake. And even Moses said, wow. There are dimensions in God that will make you afraid. God can show up in a way to make you say, my God. Even Moses, read the text. Moses said, my God, please. He was afraid. People that are lost are hurting, bruised, tattooed, tattered, and torn. Even tattooed. Well, what do you mean, Bishop? People that get a lot of tattoos, they're covering stuff. Why would you hurt yourself with tattoos everywhere? I just like it. You like pain, really? Try to get you to get a COVID shot, you'd be like. You know, it's, you know how dangerous it is to have ink put in your skin? <laughs> you should be the first one in the line. You don't even know these people. They're not doctors. You don't know if they wash their hands. You don't have a clue. Why should we pray for the lost? There are many reasons why we should pray. One reason we should pray because it is difficult. It is difficult to pray and to stay on task when you don't see a manifestation. Nothing outward to indicate that God is answering the prayer. It's, it's difficult to stay on task. Believe me, I'm a pastor. I know. I've prayed for people for three years, and in the third year, they shift. No movement for three years. Thank you, Lord. No movement for three years. Prayer is difficult to stay on task. But uh, uh, is your child worth it? Yes, they're worth it. The loss is worth it. Continue to pray that someone would meet Jesus, meet him on the road of Emmaus. While they're doing what they do, he shows up. It requires tenacity. And you can be very discouraged when you don't see it happen. This is why a lot of people get discouraged. They always pray for money. When you need to pray for the lost, God will fix your money issues. He'll finance you so you can establish his covenant. Write it down. Prayer in many respects can be compared to wrestling. Tonight we wrestle. Anybody ever been a wrestler, like in high school? Anybody here? Thank you. I was too. It's probably one of the most, I'm not talking about NWA wrestling. <laughs> I'm not talking about Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. And um, that's, that's the old school. I don't even know the new guys. Like The Rock. That's all, that's all choreographed wrestling. The wrestling that's in college, that's what we're talking about, high school and college. 
you, you meet somebody who's your same weight, maybe around the same age. <clears throat> you grab each other. They're strong, too, and your job is to put their back on the mat, and they just refuse to let you do it. You got to put their back on the mat for at least a second. And you use all of these techniques to get it done. Prayers like that for the lost. It's like wrestling. It takes, number one, exertion, a lot of energy. I'm talking about in the first minute, you be sucking wind. Whew. Everybody tell you, go flip them. You're like, I'm trying. It takes exertion. It takes focus mentally, physically, mentally, mentally able and physically fit. And often there's no quick answer, no quick, easy way to win. You just have to endure three rounds, three rounds. I've never wrestled before in my life. I was in the ninth grade and uh, my school at the time did a wrestling tournament and I just went out. I wasn't physically equipped um, to do it, but I just, and I had a natural inclination to wrestle. There was something in me that just wouldn't allow man to throw me into the pool. And when I went to my high school in the ninth grade, this is the way they initiated ninth graders in the high school at the time. These things are obsolete now. It's not healthy. But the seniors and the juniors of our school would take a ninth grader with his books, grab him with all of his clothes, and throw him in the pool. That's what they would do to initiate you. I was walking by the pool one day and these boys, older than me, came around the corner. You next. I was like, the devil is a liar. <laughs> and I'm talking about for 30 minutes, it was four of them trying to throw me in the pool. I dropped my books. I never even came out with a word making sounds. I came like Spider-Man. My leg was tied around one, had another one. I mean... All of us going in the pool, and guess what? All of us went in the pool. It wasn't just me. And out of that, somebody said, man, you should try wrestling. So I did. I came out number two in the school. A state champion beat me. And the last 30 minutes, he had me on my back, and I was bridging. If you know anything about wrestling, I was bridging with my tip, I was on my tiptoes on my back and on the back of my head and, I, and he was, his whole weight was on my chest and I wouldn't allow him to pin me. And the wrestling coach said, my, Clark, you motivated me, my God. I mean, <laughs> if you don't know what that's like, try it. Let your spouse rest on your chest and you bridge for 30 seconds. See how strong you are, your neck and all of that. I had no physical tone. It was all gut. This wasn't because I was strong. I was trembling, sweating, but I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't allow him to pin me. Prayer like that, prayers like that, when you don't see a man, you got to wrestle. You got to exert some effort. People want easy prayer. Lord, touch my neighbor. You got to intercede. I'm going to be talking about intercession at 11 o'clock, but you got to intercede for people. You got to put your intellect to the side. You got to put all of that stuff you know to the side. And you got to stick with it. Hallelujah. I know you all say, man, Bishop dropping some knowledge. I am. I am. And this is how you get it. Revival sharing in evangelism. Remember that term. Revival sharing. In evangelism. If you want to evangelize, you got to be revived yourself. If you want to evangelize, you got to know Jesus yourself. If you want to be evangelized, he's got to put something in you that makes you bridge. It won't give up until you see the change. Take inventory of yourself. We don't really believe that the task of leading people to Christ is impossible in our own strength. Some of us believe it's by our power, 
But you got to know it's impossible to lead people to Christ in your own strength. We think if we're persuasive enough and say, you got a good heart. Say, I just love you. That's not how you win them to Christ. You got to let them know the plan of salvation. That we are sinners. When we accept him, he saves us. We're lost. He saves us from our sin. You got to know that plan and I can help teach you that so you can be more efficient when you get people saved this year. We think we're intelligent enough. We're persistent enough without God endowing us with power. Scripture is clear without Christ working in us the hope of glory. The work of evangelism is virtually impossible. We can do nothing without him. I close with this scripture, Ezekiel 36 and 24. For I will take you from among the heathen. And I will gather you out of all countries. And I will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you. And you shall be clean. From all of your filthiness and from all of your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put in you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your place. Out of your flesh. When I will give you a heart. Of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And you shall walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will also save you from all of your uncleanliness. And I will call for the corn and will increase you. And lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your tree. And the increase of the field. And you shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. I've read to you out of the book of Ezekiel. Glory to God. And Ezekiel only comes to the valley of dry bones once. And when he comes to prophesy, you need to be ready to receive. And there are people here that are lost. And we're sending the word of God to you. God is about to recover you, to find you wholeheartedly. When you hear this plan, don't resist it. And I want to activate the people of God to pray out of Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24 through 30. You will see the heart of God for the laws. Here Ezekiel describes the heart of God. For a nation that had gone astray, a nation in captivity, a nation that's on lockdown, lost, scattered among the heathen. But God says, I will recover you. And you need to have that heart, the Ezekiel heart for the laws, the Ezekiel heart for evangelism when you reach the laws. And when you study this, you'll begin to see people are scattered. People are scattered throughout all. They're, they're tied with so many idols. It's amazing. Some of them are music idols. And some of them are herb. And some of them are tied to illicit stuff. And some of them is pornography. And others is sickness. But I will bring you to your own distinct place. Then he said, I'm going to sprinkle clean water upon you. In other words, you've been bathing in dusty, dirty water. But I'm going to help you to stop trying to be clean in a mud pool. Oh, I can preach that, man. I want you to think about a person who doesn't have their sight. They're visually impaired. They're in a mud pool. They think it's lotion, but they're smearing themselves with mud, thinking they're making themselves clean. One of the ways God saves you, he takes you out of the mud pool, puts you in clean water and sprinkles it on you from top to bottom. That's what Jose did for Goma. After he pulled off the slave block, he took her home. He said, I'm not going to make you a slave. You're my wife. You should have never been caught up with that stuff anyway. But what I'm going to do is sanctify you. 
took barrels of water and doused her with it. Took soap and started washing out of hell. You embarrassed me. But I'm going to make you clean. And he washed her out. And men can wash out their wives with words. But you got to learn how to work it. You can wash her out. Beautifully, beautifully, fearfully and wonderfully made. Wash her out. That's what Jose did for Goma. He washed her out until she became clean. When you wash a person out, you can't remind them of what they did 15 years ago. You know how you hurt me. You got to get beyond it. Sprinkle clean water on her. That's what Jesus does for you when he finds you in a mud pit. Saves you from all unfiltheredness, from all filthiness and unrighteousness and idols. And he cleans you from it. First he removes you from it and then he washes you with clean water. Then he does heart surgery. I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm not going to try to make the old one over. Try to fix this stuff that you got clogged up in it. I'm taking that one out and putting a new one in. Please get this. You're trying to bring God your old stuff. You got to give up the old heart and let him put a new one inside of you and a new spirit in you. He said, I'm going to take away that stony heart. You can't feel nothing. People cry. You don't feel nothing. Just stand there looking like you're hard and stone, hard as stone. God says, I'm not dealing with that. I'm going to put a new heart in you. And give you a heart of flesh. When people cry, you can feel it now. When they say, I'm sorry, you'll forgive them. You won't hold it against them. Not only that, but I'm going to put my spirit in you, he says in verse 27. And cause you to walk in my statutes. When my spirit gets in you, you'll start moving as I move, just like that. You'll move as I move, just like that. You'll move as I move. There's no fighting when he says move this way. You pull in that way. But you'll, you'll move in his statutes and in his judgments to keep them. Then I will cause you to dwell in a new environment. You'll start joining churches and stop staying away from them and get committed. And I'm going to save you from your unclean ways. You're going to clear it all out. You're going to dump all of your pornography, all of your books and tapes, and you're going to burn them. Why a man to bring me a whole sack of stuff? I looked at it and I said, my God. A whole sack. I said, what's in there? I got to get rid of it. Get rid of what, son? Look at it, Bishop. <laughs> People are bound with all kinds of stuff. Woo. How many of you know God can save you from it all? Yeah. Watching movies every Friday night secretly. No wonder. You're never satisfied. Your wife is not going to wear a wig. <laughs> Boy, I can preach it the wig wife. I can preach it. The wig wife. And some of you that are watching know exactly what I'm talking about. You need God to change some things in your life. Stop trying to give him your old heart. He, you need a new one. A makeover. A finally you moment. Come on, give God praise right there. He's good. I don't know there's an anointing on this message that I preached gave it to me yesterday and as I was teaching it it's so rich right 
It's so rich, I can continue to go, but I got to cut this off. But it's so rich with information. I feel like I've delivered a baby. That, that tells me that children, spiritual children, are tied to this message. Your children are tied. They can get saved if you pick up what I'm saying. The spirit of this message. I weep over you all. I pray for you. I'm not your God, but I am a representative of God. He called me and brought me here. I wanted to be a physical medical doctor, maybe working for health first. But he wanted me to do this. I still have patience. I have patience. I have patience. And through many seasons, I've stood here. Many seasons, ups and downs. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you, this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.